Welcome everyone this morning. So glad to have you and our visitors today, Julio and your family. Boy, it's been a blessing to have them. Appreciate you being here. And uh, glad to have Kendra and Susan back with us. We've missed y'all. And I want to say to those of you that uh, be watching or listening, either by podcast or Facebook or on YouTube, we're so glad to have you here this morning as well. And I trust that the Word of God will be a blessing to you, provided that you mix the Word of God, that Word preached. If you'll mix it with faith, it will be profitable unto you. Because the Lord's Word will never return unto Him void, but it will accomplish the purpose whereunto it was sent. And so we welcome you all. Glad to have the rest of you here as well. If you would, take the Word of God this morning, and, uh, and let's open it to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians. And uh, you'll find that right after the books of First and Second Corinthians. You got Acts and Romans, First and Second Corinthians, and then Galatians. Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. And I want to look at something today that you know that you and I we had to deal with this morning. You had to deal with it yesterday. <clears throat> And uh, if you're alive and drawing breath, you're going to have to deal with it tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Amen. And so the uh, one thing I love about my Bible, it's very, very practical. Very practical. I told a young man, I said the best this past week, I said the best way to get the most out of your vehicle is to follow the owner's manual. And this is the owner's manual for life, the word of God. And we must always learn to put the word of God above the words of men. Even though, even though that might be your grandma or it might be your auntie that talked to you. And she always said this and she believed that. No, it matters what the word of God says. Yeah. All right. Always, always beloved. And so let's read a, 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 just a few passages here. Galatians chapter five. Thank you for turning. And if you will look with me in verse 16. Verse 16, Paul writing here to these churches in this region, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to another, to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. And I want to speak to you this morning about walking in the Spirit. What does that mean to walk in the Spirit? There's a lot of unusual ideas that are out there, so we need to look to the Word of God and, uh, and see what it says. Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, we bow this morning, and indeed, Lord, we, uh, we agree with the songwriter, What is Man? Lord, who are we that the Son of God should come and take upon flesh and live that virtuous, sinless life and die, Lord, infused with our sins and then be gloriously raised on the third day, bringing justification for us and for all who have trusted him by faith. Father, we thank you today for our precious Savior and we thank you today, Lord, for the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and Lord, I'm so needful of him today, his filling and power, Lord, to be used, that I may speak forth the truth in love. God, I pray for the listeners today that as they listen, Lord, they would open their hearts, lay aside every other care this morning, 
not about what's happening at the house or on the job or, or Lord, to lay aside all those things. And we may focus our attention for a few minutes this morning upon your precious word and the truth of it. I love you and I need you. And the Lord, I pray that you'll help me now in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Well, let me tell you something. You know, a lot of times there are things that are found in our Bible. The books in particular oftentimes were written so as to correct a problem. Like the books of 1 and 2 Corinthians. They were really having some problems. There was They were taking each other to court. There was uh, some relationships that were not supposed to be taking place. Those had to be dealt with. There was a lot of division there in that church. Instead of there being unity, it was grieving the Spirit of God, a lot of immaturity and so forth. And Paul wrote those letters in order to correct that problem and to help the church get back on track. So too the book of Galatians. Now this was written to correct the false doctrine of mixing faith and works together so as the means of salvation and then to keep one saved. There were people that believed that they had to, they're called the Judaizers. They followed the apostle Paul around and whatever town he went in, wherever souls were saved and wherever a church was established, they were sort of tracking him and they would follow him into that town. And after he had left, they would come along and then they would try to infect that church with the false teaching that, hey, it's fine to believe in Jesus, but buddy, you better keep the law of Moses. And they were called the Judaizers and it became a huge problem, so much so that there had to be a meeting in Jerusalem. And you'll find that meeting outlined in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 15, and they determined that a man's heart, if you will, it is purified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The matter was settled and they went forth. But you know what? That doctrine is still being taught today. There are still Judaizers today. There, some of them were, some of them met yesterday, and some of them are going to meet different days of the week. Some might meet uh, tonight someplace, but I'm telling you, that false doctrine is still out there, and it, and it had to be dealt with, and Paul wrote this letter uh, of the, this book of uh, the book of Galatians, to that it should be that it should be read and spread and distributed through the churches there in the region of Galatia, which would be modern day part of modern day Turkey, Asia Minor, that region right there. But and so here here's the gist of what was taking place. Notice, like everyone else, or or let me let's go to chapter three just for a second. I'm going to slow down here and get this right. It's too important to get in a hurry. All right, I want you to look in chapter 3 of Galatians. Notice what it says. Look with me in verse 1. He said, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. He said, This only would I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. And so the obvious answer to that is they got saved by hearing of faith in Jesus Christ. That's what they were taught. That's what was preached. In verse 3, are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect, if you will, or mature by the flesh? And the obvious answer to that one is no. The flesh can never conquer itself. And so this book was written to help folks they believed, you know, that, that they did certain things that God would reward them with heaven. 
and that at the same time, that in order to keep themselves saved, they had to keep doing all these things. Well, beloved, listen, when a man trusts Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, you get birthed into the family of God, and that settles the issue. Amen. Amen. And whom the Lord saves, he keeps, just as much as we do as parents over our own children. When they were birthed into this world, they were our children, and they will remain that way till Till either they go or we go, they're always going to be uh, our children. And, and for you that are here, everywhere you go, you're always going to be the son or the daughter of some parents that you have. I notice in every obituary that I read in the city of Kerrville, they always say, you know, who their parents were. They always, I mean, that, there's never a time that you're not going to be somebody's child. Well, the same thing is true about our Heavenly Father. When a man repents of his sin and trusts Christ as his Savior, you are God's child from that day forward and throughout eternity. Throughout eternity. And so everyone who's been saved by the grace of God through faith, you and I, we must still contend with this flesh. We had to deal with this morning. You stuck your nose out the door. You pressed it up against the window at home. And you said, ooh, it looks cold out there. And it feels cold. You know, and, and man, I, I don't want to leave this warm fire. Or I'm going to keep the blanket on or whatever. You had to make a choice this morning to get up and deal with that flesh and come to the house of God. And sometimes your flesh will remind you how inconvenienced it is. It's a great whiner. Notice I didn't say winner. I said it's a great whiner, right? Tomorrow morning when you go to work, man, it's going to be, well, I'm tired or whatever it might be. Man, it wants to complain. It'll give you all the reasons why you shouldn't be doing the things of God. So you have to contend with that everywhere you go and at all times because we still have unredeemed flesh. Now, sometimes the Bible, when it refers to flesh, it's talking about this body, literally flesh and bone, all right? Sometimes it is, but in many other passages, it's speaking about that old nature, the old man that Paul referred to. And it's that carnal nature that lives on the inside that's going to be with us forever until we get a new body. Amen. And we're going to get a new... I'm going to have hair again one day. Amen. And a waist and I'll be able to sing. Man, ladies, you won't have to struggle with that. You'll be able to just sing. You'll, you'll have that ability. God's going to give us all things new. I'm looking forward to that. No aches and pains. Amen. We sing about that. What a day that's going to be. There's a lot of things that are coming with that day. But until we get there, you and I have to contend with our flesh. Flesh, that's all it is. It's just flesh. And that carnal, fallen nature remains on the inside of every blood-bought and blood-washed believer. It doesn't get eradicated. And as I say again, the flesh can never conquer itself. And that's what they were trying to teach these people that if they just exercise some willpower, that they could have victory over their flesh. How many people have already broken the resolutions they made on January 1st? They're probably too numerous to keep track of, aren't they? Oh, they said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stop doing that. And I'm going to start doing this. And you know what? That probably lasted maybe a week, if that long. And they said, oh, I'll try to get next year. <laughs> I'm just going to start over again next week. I'm going to try to get it. They keep doing it. They keep breaking it. Why? Because the flesh can't conquer the flesh. Can't do it. And so listen to what this passage says. 
from Romans chapter 8, verse 7 and 8. Because the carnal mind is enmity. That means it's the enemy of God. Is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. The flesh could care less what the Bible says. The flesh could care less about spiritual things. The flesh only loves carnality. The flesh only wants to be pampered. It wants to be satisfied. It wants its needs met. I mean, you know, man, you, you, you come in some places, and I, I appreciate it here. We try to get the temperature right, but you'd be surprised, man. Oh, it's too hot. It's too cold. Oh, the, the, it's too this. It's too that. That's your flesh. I noticed nobody rode a camel in here this morning. Well, you know, that hump needs to be fixed on my camel. That's just your flesh. Well, I don't like how they looked at me. That's your flesh. And we've all got it. I'm at the top of the list. We've all got it. It says it's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. That's the reason why we're not. That's the reason why we had to be born again. It's not a makeover. You have to have the new birth. It's a new creation. It's not a made over old one. It's brand new. Uh, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We're new creatures in Christ. So it, it can't be subject. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. He's not talking about the body. He's talking about if we live and operate in that carnal world. If we just let carnality rule us and run us and dictate to us, what's it going to be? We're never going to be able to please God. And it ought to be the desire of every born-again child of God that they want to please their Heavenly Father. So what are we supposed to do? I got this thing. I got up with it this morning. What am I supposed to do about this? Well, I'm glad the Bible has the answer. Amen. It's right here, and it's something very practical, and it's personal, and it's powerful. I'm telling you it works. It's powerful. Let's look at it. Look with me. Look in verse 16. Notice what it says. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There it is. I'm in chapter 5. Look in verse 16. Right there it is. Y'all couldn't read my mind? Go to... Go to chapter 5. All right, go back there. Chapter 5. Look at verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's what the flesh wants to do. I want to be in control. I'm in charge. It's as much your flesh is a great picture in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis. Ishmael was born. He was a child, if you will, born out of the flesh. And uh, that was a, it was an Egyptian solution to a spiritual problem. And Ishmael comes along, the, 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 the son, if you will, of Abraham there. And, you know, Ishmael's not a problem until Isaac showed up. And now you've got a new nature and there's a conflict going on. And Isaac and, and Ishmael started having problems. And that's how it was. You know, I wasn't thinking about the things of God when I was a lost man. Whatever I thought of, you know, the old, whatever it pleased me, whatever pleased my wife, whatever we want to do, we did. 
And it didn't really matter about what the other person thought or what anybody else thought. We just did what we wanted to do. These are my eyes. I'll, I'll look at what I want to look at. These are, this is my mouth. I'll say what I want to uh, say. These are my hands. I'll do what I want to do. These are my feet. I will go wherever I want to go. That's how the flesh is. But when you get saved, there's a new sheriff in town. And he lives on the inside. And he wasn't in there five seconds when he was already pointing out some things to me about my life that wasn't right. And those things had to change. But I want you to say, so it says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit. I want you to notice first of all about this in verse 16, it is a decision that we make. It's a choice that we make. You have a choice. You know, there's an old story about, you know, you got two dogs and you're going to fight those two dogs. Well, one you feed and one you don't. So who do you think is going to win when the fight comes around? Well, the obvious answer is the one that I've been feeding. And so if you feed the flesh, if you succumb to the flesh, it's going to be strong. It wants to be in control. And that spiritual man, that spiritual side, the Holy Spirit gets kind of pushed to the side when really he wants the whole possession. That's Isaac. That old nature is Ishmael. I was here before you. I'm the one that's in charge. And the Holy Spirit is the one really that's supposed to be in charge. But it's a choice, beloved. It's a decision that we make to walk. I, you know, Joshua told, told the children of Israel, he said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose you. It is a choice. You made a choice this morning when you decided to come to the, to the house of God. What did the songwriter say? He said this. He said, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And one of those verses says, though none go with me, still I will follow. He didn't have to have a crowd. He just had Christ. It was a choice. And beloved, for you and I to have victory over this flesh is a decision that we make. It's a matter. It's not willpower, but it is an act of our will. It is an act of our will. And, uh, and so here's what the scripture says. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Well, how did we receive him? Colossians chapter 2 said, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Well, how did we receive the Lord? We received the Lord Jesus Christ like every other believer through repentance and faith. The Bible says that the message of repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ is to be preached among all the nations. That's the recipe for salvation. Repentance is when God reveals to me that the way that I'm going is not the way that needs to be. I've been walking away from God. He reveals that to me. Repentance is a change of heart that produces a change in my actions. And now faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the remedy for my sin. Repentance and faith. It's a choice that people make. Men are not saved against their will. They, they make a decision. You know, when an invitation is given, somebody says, well, was it, were decisions made? Every time there's an invitation, people make decisions about whether they're going to respond or not. Decisions are made every Sunday. A lot of them are going to be made today. Decisions of one sort or another. 
But how did we receive him? We received him by repentance and faith. Now notice what it says. You know, here's the thing I want you to see. Steps over time form a path. It says walk in the spirit. That to me, that tells me there were some steps that were here. If you're going to walk, right? And so steps over time form a path. And then that path becomes the way. But it is a willful decision that we make. And so, and so walking means, if you will, now, now notice the passage said walk. It didn't say hop. It didn't say skip. It didn't say jump. It said walk. And when you and I walk, doesn't that take two feet to do that? It does. That is the repentance and faith. Listen, since I've been saved, I have repented over several other things. When I got born again, I, I knew I was a lost man. I knew that I needed to be saved. I believe what Jesus Christ did for me. And I was so grateful for that. But in the course of my walk with God, you know, he revealed a lot of different things about me. I knew I was lost and needed to be saved. But man, I didn't realize I was that lost. I, I knew I wasn't good, but I didn't realize I was that bad. So, so the Lord, in time, as we walk with him, he reveals another thing. Ed, you know, when I, when, after I first got saved, I still smoked. But God showed me that. Son, I can't bless you the way I want to. And he took those from me. When we got saved, God changed my vocabulary. God took the liquor away. Those things changed about our life. I, I, just all things were new. All things were new. And the same for my wife as well. God did that. And so... So, so here's the thing. As we walk with the Lord, what does he do? He reveals things to us that we need to repent of. And then in faith, we take that step of obedience and we walk towards him. And that is how, how we grow as a Christian. You see, revelation led to sanctification. What was he doing? He was revealing some things through the spirit of God in our lives that were not right or some things that needed to be added to my life. Like, you know, son, you need to get a Bible. When I got saved, I didn't own a Bible. So you better get one because you need to read it. You need to read it and follow it, believe it. And so, so here, this passage says, this walking means taking steps and it requires those two feet. And, you know, and so revelation leads to sanctification. So that's that revelation is that first step under the repentance and faith is the second step. And so what, is, what does the Lord do? The Lord, through his word, reveals things that need our attention. And then there's a decision that we make about what's been revealed. Am I really going to do this or not? Then by faith, we make the correction. Walking in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's not a suggestion that's an imperative. He said, this, I say that an imperative, it's a command, but it is a choice that you and I must make. Choose to walk in the spirit of God. Now, listen, when we talk about the Holy Spirit for a lot of people, man, suddenly that becomes some mystical thing, some touchy feeling. I remember I shook some person's hand one time. They said, oh man, your hands are so warm. Oh, you must be full of the Holy Spirit. What a bunch of gobbledygook. That's not Bible at all. You won't find that in the Bible. Listen, uh, th this world is so sensual. It does everything by its feelings yeah. rather than by faith. Yeah. Feelings change. They go up and down. Facts, faith in those facts, 
Why do we like facts? Why do I? Because facts are stubborn things. They don't change. Regardless of the new math, two and two does only equal four. Amen. Victoria, when you're in school and you learn that, two and two is four. Little sister, it is. It's four. Don't let somebody come along and tell you, well, there's another way to get to five. No, no, no. Two and two are always going to be four. Going to be that way. Facts, just like that. Facts from the Bible, they don't change because God changeth not. And he wants me to place my faith in those facts. But the world is, when you say Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, ooh, it gets all this, you know, oh, it was so foggy in there. A C&I dog couldn't make his way around. <laughs> Beloved, and you get, you know, you get in some meetings and boy, the music is making it clapping. Oh, God was in that. No, just a bunch of flesh sometimes. You know, that, that same crowd that will go there and, man, they're just happy, they're just happy as, a, as a field walk. They want to go see a, I, I never was a country western guy, but, I, but, but they want to go see Randy Travis and they'd like to resurrect George Jones and they want to come to church and sing, Oh, How I Love Jesus. Amen, brother. When we got saved, our taste in music changed. Amen. Ephesians said, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Now, I know there are some modern songs that are out there, but most of that stuff to me is just not Christian in its basis. Man's got to be right. The melody ought to be right. The message ought to be right. Not just a car wash. <laughs> We're going to sing the same little chorus, you know, 12 times till I get y'all worked up. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm trying to be honest with you. I'm trying to help you this morning. I love you. It's a decision. It's a choice that we make to walk in the Spirit. God said He'll help me if I will rely upon Him, if I will walk in that Spirit. That means walking by faith, that repentance and faith. As I'm walking with God, as I'm reading my Bible, and it's instructing me, doesn't, doesn't the Lord point out some things sometimes, say, that's just how you were this morning? I've written in my Bible, you know, boy, this is just what I needed. Lord, that, gosh, gosh, that's me right there. Ugh. You know? I don't know, but, but that's how, you know, I pray and this is how he speaks to me. I talk to the Lord and then he speaks to me from his word. I'm not getting something. What was that? I, I, you know, I've never seen a nine foot Jesus at the foot of my bed that said, if I don't raise nine million dollars to build a tower, that you're going to die. And yet that happened several years ago and they built that thing. I got something in the mail once, brother. I got something in the mail, and it said I should. It was a photostatic copy of a little prayer cloth. It wasn't even a cloth. It was a like a a copy, you know, like a like you get from a copy machine, of a little cloth, and said if I put that under my pillow, and then of course send them five dollars, that whatever I get, you know what? And there are some little old lady, some little old man, some some superstitious person will fall prey to that, and these charlatans. They make me angry, and some things ought to make us angry. 
But my point is, is that God will take care of all that. But I feel sorry for that person who is so simple that they believe every word. They're superstitious. God doesn't want us to be superstitious. He wants us to be spiritual. Spiritual people know their Bible. And they do their best by the grace of God to follow what it says. That's what they do. It's a decision that you and I must make. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Does the Holy Ghost have a bad temper? No. Does the Holy Spirit, is he selfish? No. Is the Holy Spirit lacking for patience? No. Is the Holy Spirit generous? Yes. Does the Holy Spirit think of others? Yes. When you think about all the things that we are not, but He's living on the inside. And that old flesh gets in the way. This is the only way, beloved, to have victory. Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Let me get to the second thing. Let me get to the second thing. Well, I've got to say this. Look in verse 6. I'm in chapter 5. Look in verse 6. This is how this works. This is where how faith works. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. Now watch. But faith which worketh by love. Yes, it is. You want, you want to know how much faith you got? You have to answer the question, how much do you love him? Remember when that Pharisee was there and that woman was wiping the feet of the Lord Jesus with her hair and her tears? And the Lord asked that Pharisee, he said, he said, who do you think loves the most? And that Pharisee said, he had the right answer. He said, the one to whom the most was forgiven. And when we think about what we were and our love for him ought to be greater than what we sometimes portray and we allow. Faith worketh by love. That is the motivation for me to trust him. Why? We love him because he first loved us. Faith worketh by love. You want to measure your faith? How much do you love him? It's the, it's the greatest commandment, right? To love the Lord with all your heart and soul and might, all your being, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two commandments. And the first commandment, the greatest commandment, ought to be the easiest for us to, for us to keep. To love the one who loved us the way that he did, without measure. Unconditional. Unconditional. It is a decision. And I want you to see the second thing. I want you to see it is a dependence. Look in verse 16. Let's read that again. This I say then, chapter 5. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now watch, look at verse 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Not only is it a decision that you and I make, a willful decision to walk, to take those steps, as I'm walking with God, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying, He reveals something, I repent of that, and I move forward in faith, in obedience, walking with my Savior. That's walking in the Spirit. That's walking in the Spirit. But it's a dependence. I want you to see this. Notice again the word walk. Notice what it says right there in verse 16. This I say then, walk. 
Do you know what word that where we get uh, we get a word from that word walk and it's the word from this word walk we get the word parapet. How many of you all know what a parapet is? Oh, she does. You know. All right, good. Sister, what's a parapet? The pipe that you stand to. Yes, ma'am. And usually what is around that parapet? Other people. Well, yes, ma'am, but usually What, brother? There's a rail, there's a wall, a parapet. It's, it's where we get the same word. You've heard this and the ramparts we watched. What are the ramparts? The ramparts was like a fortified place. It, was, it is a defensive wall that the occupants stay behind that wall and it forms a perimeter around them. And the Bible says walk in the spirit, in that parapet of the spirit. So there's a dependence. As long as they were in the parapet, they were safe. As long as they were behind the walls, the defensive walls, they were safe and out of harm's way. And so this is what the Bible is teaching here. When we walk in the Spirit, that means, you know, it's just like it doesn't mean walk ahead of the Spirit. It doesn't mean walk alongside the Spirit. It doesn't mean walk after the Spirit. It means to walk in the Spirit. It's just like, you know, sometimes when it's cold, you know, Debbie, we, we like to walk, but sometimes she comes down here and goes into the fellowship hall and she walks in the fellowship hall. You get the picture? Walking in the spirit. Not walking outside, not walking alongside, not walking behind, but walking in the spirit, like walking in that building. We're in the parapet. And so this requires me to stay in here. It is a dependency. While I'm here, I'm safe. While I'm here, I'm empowered. While I'm here, I have victory in this. Now, now stay with me, all right? Listen, the Holy Spirit will never lead us back under the law. Unless, look in Roman, keep your place in Galatians. Go to Romans chapter 8 with me. Look in verse 1. Turn left in your Bible. Turn left. Thank you for turning. I hear those pages. I hope those of you at home, you'll be turning. The Holy Spirit is never going to lead us back under the law. That's why, that's why Paul said, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. We're at liberty. We're not under the law. But our liberty is not to be used as an occasion or as a license to sin, an occasion to the flesh. If you and I are staying within that parapet, if we're walking in the Spirit, Imagine, if you will, sort of like a spotlight being on you. When you go home tonight after church or whatever, do your headlights shine all the way to the house? They just shine so far in front of you, don't you? And if you drive in the light, then what happens? You get a little more light. That's what walking in the Spirit is. Walking in the Spirit is walking in the light that we have in that parapet as we move forward. That light goes forward with us. So we're not behind. We're not lagging behind. We're not getting ahead. We're not following an impulse. We're walking with Him. You know, have you ever had to say to somebody, well, man, you know, I feel like I'm walking with you, but I, I asked you to walk with me. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, when Debbie and I go walking... Uh, Bless her heart, those little legs. She's got to move them a little bit faster. It always turns out she always gets more steps than me because her stride 
is not as big. And so sometimes I have to slow down a little bit only because I'm taller. And uh, if we're going to walk together. And, and doesn't the scripture say this in the book of Amos? How can two walk together except they be what? Except they be agreed. Agreed. And so walking in the spirit means in agreement with him over that word. And I said he won't lead you under the law except for this. Romans 8. Look at verse 1. Now watch. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That's us. If you've been saved by the grace of God. Man, I'm not under condemnation. I've been set free. But watch. There's a little caveat here. There's a little condition here. Watch. Who walk. There's that word. Who walk not after the flesh. But after whom? But after the spirit. When you and I. When we get crosswise with God. The Holy Spirit is grieved and we feel that on the inside, the condemnation. Sometimes it's called guilt. The world doesn't want to be bothered with guilt. I don't want to feel any guilt. I, I just want all this. I just need more self-esteem. The world has enough, more than enough self-esteem. They're full of pride. We are creatures of pride. But God will put that on us. God will use the condemnation to get our attention. Go back with me. Go back with me to the book of Galatians in chapter five. Are y'all with me? It, it, it is a dependence. And so I have to I have to I have to stay within that. As long as the occupants were within the parapet, they were safe. Ephesians 5 says this. Don't turn there, but Ephesians 5 says that you and I are to walk circumspectly. It's like the word circumference. There's the parapet again. I'm to walk circumspectly. That means how? I'm walking carefully. I'm walking in that light. The next verse says, Wherefore, rather, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It's a, it is a dependence, beloved. It is a dependence. And, and, and listen to what this says. Walk, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. I mean, that's 1 John 1, 7. That's not in Galatians. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. What happens? We're in the parapet and man, something is revealed to us. We repent of that. We ask God to forgive us of it. He cleanses us of it. We never lose stride in walking with Him. Because I'm dependent. Not dependent on myself because my flesh can't conquer the flesh. Oh, it'll try to convince you. I'll be good. I'll be better. I, I, I can do that. I know I can't. Just trust me. I can, you can't trust it. No. Paul said, and have no confidence in the flesh. <clears throat> The bottom line with this dependence, we're not as spiritual as we think we are. And we're not as strong as we think we are spiritually. It's just what it is. Dependence. Walking in the spirit. Now listen, isn't, didn't, didn't Jesus say, I'm going to send the comforter and he will, what, he will guide you into all truth? He's not going to take me into error to put me back under the law. He's going to put me in truth as found in the word of God. So listen to what Romans said again. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Look in verse 18. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. That's the dependency to allow the Holy Spirit to lead me. 
And the Holy Spirit is never going to lead you contrary to the Bible. He's not going to do something that's outside the confines of Scripture. If I had to envision our Bible, if, I, if you could just imagine a huge barrel, and on the outside of that barrel it says, this is the will of God for man. And over the course of about 1,500 years, every now and then, God would open the tap and a little of that will would come out. Somebody would write it down. And when that barrel got empty, the Bible was finished. From Genesis to Revelation, there's not any more. There's not another. I don't need the, I don't need the book of, uh, I don't need the, the pearl of great price. I don't need a different testament being a latter day saying, I don't have to have that because I'm living in the latter days as a child of God. I don't have to have that. Why? My Bible was complete when I got saved. It was complete before I got here. What the last word of Revelation was completed in heaven before the first word of Genesis was ever recorded here. David said, Thy word, O Lord, is settled in heaven forever. And when heaven and earth are gone, this word is still going to be here. Amen. It's still going to be here. So we have light, we're to walk in it. We want to be led of the Spirit. That is that dependence. And the last thing, and I'm going to be done. Not only is it a decision that we make, choose this I say then, walk in the Spirit. Ask the Lord to help you. Lord, I want to walk in the Spirit today. God, guide me. Help me, correct me when I get off track. Because here's the thing. It's not, it, not only is it a, a decision, and not does it require dependence to stay in that parapet, but it also, it's a direction. It's a direction. Look at verse 18 and notice what it says. But if you be led of the Spirit, here's the part I want you to see. And ye are not under the law. The Holy Spirit will never, ever lead you back under the law. How many of y'all know what a compass is? A compass. Man, when I was a little boy, I had a compass. I liked, man, I liked that. It just always amazed me no matter what. What's the unique thing about a compass? No matter which way you turn, and where does it always do? It always points where? North. north. It always points north. And you know what? When you cross the North Pole, if you had a compass in your hand, you know, there actually is a place, the North Pole, you know. And uh, you, know, you know what happens if you keep going, follow that needle, north, 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 north. You're climbing. You get up over there, over Canada and so forth. You get on the ice pack. You get up there and you cross the North Pole. Do you know what happens to the needle in there? As soon as you go past it, whoosh, that thing turns around and it's behind you now. It's backwards. I had to learn to use the compass when I was in the Air Force. I you army guys didn't have, you had to learn how to use shovels, right? <laughs> I, I had to learn how to use a compass. And, uh, and so, and so what I would have to vector in aircraft, if I was shot down, I had to learn how to vector in aircraft. I'd point the compass in the direction of the sound and I would look through that. I had a, I had a little hairline thing on that compass, a lensatic compass. I would look at there and I would read that compass heading. I had to subtract 180 degrees or add 180 degrees to it and tell that pilot, all right, come in on this heading to get to me. That's called a vector. I had to learn how to use that. And no matter which way I turned, that needle always pointed north, always pointed, if you will, to where the true north was. True. True. And this is the thing, this is the thing about a compass. And because of that, sailors and surveyors and pioneers and explorers, they have been able to traverse the seas and traverse the land, and they did it with ease, and they did it with accuracy, and they found their way back. To tell us about what they found. Your Bible. Is a compass. 
And the Holy Spirit is the needle of that compass and it will always point back here to the truth, to the truth, to the truth. And so, you know, you know what the Bible says? It says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. So how do I know when I've crossed the line, when I got outside the parapet, you know what's going to happen? My peace is going to be disturbed. And then you're going to see that I've, I've moved away. I've deviated from the needle. And the needle, I'm going this way. And the needle says, you better get back over here. So you've got to turn around and get that needle right and then start heading back in the right direction. That is what it means to walk in the Spirit. It is a decision that you make. It is a dependency, but it is also a direction. A direction, and He is wanting to guide us out into all truth. And when I'm walking in truth, guess what? I'm going to have peace in my heart. I'm going to have the, I'm going to have the provision that comes from being in the will of God. I'm going to have the protection that's there. There is safety in doing And you know what? I'm going to have satisfaction. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. You know what meat does for you that vegetables won't do? Sorry, my vegetarian friends. You know what meat does for you? It satisfies. It gives you that full feeling. I can eat a bunch of green beans, but it wouldn't make me feel as good as a nice ribeye steak. Amen. All right. And so what does it do? It satisfies. And Jesus said the will of God is the only thing that satisfies. He said, I have meat to eat. He was telling those disciples, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And beloved, when you and I are walking in the right direction, we're following that needle on that compass. The Holy Spirit is always going to lead me here to the Word of God. Always here. So I can find my way. A compass doesn't care what the weather is. It doesn't care if there are storms outside. It doesn't care if it's light or dark, if it's cold or hot. The compass, it doesn't matter. It's unaffected by the circumstances that it finds itself in. I'm going to close with this. There, there were some... There were some, in World War II, some of the wiring that was in those aircraft, B-17s and B-24s and so forth. My father-in-law was an aircraft radio man, had his own shop, and back in the 50s and so forth, during that time as a young man, a lot of those wiring, brother, that went to those instruments in there, it was all covered with a material. It, 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 had, it had actually had like a cotton cloth around the wires. They were using that like insulation. But what would happen in the cold weather over there in England and all, they would have trouble with rats. And so the rats would make its way up into the inside of that, behind that, that instrument panel, and they would get in there. What would they do? They would chew on that cotton fiber. And in the process of that, when they would try to get their instruments to work right on the ground, man, they knew the rats were in there, and uh, they were messing things up. And because the instruments were going haywire, because they were chewing on it with their little teeth and so forth, messing with all that. So you know how they corrected all that? They would take off, and they would just have to fly higher and higher and higher until those rats ran out of oxygen. And then they let the instrument, they let the wires go and the instruments ran true and they could run, make their runs and come back. And when you and I, we get in the storms down here, you gotta trust the compass. This is God's instrument for us. Tell you how to run a business, how to raise your family. How to get along. 
in relationships, how to be a good father-in-law, how to be a good mother-in-law. That would always be helpful, wouldn't it? Amen. How to have those things. I'm just telling you, beloved, God wants us to walk and let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Oh, we need that peace. And only the Holy Spirit can give us that. It's a decision. Who are you going to follow? Are you going to listen to that? You, you got some voices in your head. You got the voice of self and you got the voice of the scriptures. It's a choice. It's a dependency. Lord, I don't want to get outside that parapet. I, you know, if you, were in a, if you were walking down a dark alley, you'd be glad to have a flashlight, wouldn't you? Well, why would you want to walk in places? What, what does the Bible say? Men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. We're children of the light. Not of the night. Stay in that parapet. Be dependent. Let him lead you. And then follow the direction. He will always point you here. Never something outside the Bible. Well, somebody says, oh, man, you ought to try this. You ought to go experience that. No, listen. I don't need to have an experience. I got the evidence right here. Amen. The devil will give you an experience. Well, I had this experience. He could care less. He'll use an experience to try to keep you out of heaven. He wants you to trust him. Trust this word. It is the compass. Let it govern you. Let it prevail. And when, as our, when our peace is disturbed on the inside, better check out your compass. Check out your direction. Which way am I going? Am I going against the light? Am I, where am I going, Lord? And so, to walk. Walk. It was like a durative word. It means to continue doing that. Boy, beloved, it's what we need. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Walk in the spirit and you and I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. Let's pray. Heads bowed. Sister, you come. I just want to I'll give you an opportunity. That's all an invitation is. An opportunity to respond to the message this morning. How is your walk? Is your compass pointing one direction and you've been heading in another? You can get that settled this morning. Father, I sure do thank you for the truth of the Bible and thank you for the precious Holy Spirit that lives on the inside. God, I thank you for the simplicity of these things and the practicality of your word. I pray that you'll help our people, Lord. God, I pray you'll bless them real good this morning as they yield to it, Lord, that repentance and faith. If you revealed something to them, I pray, Father, you'll get that settled today. They will get it settled today to make a decision for you. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.